All right, good morning. Welcome to Fieldstone, everybody. Pretty high-energy start, wouldn't you say? Not bad. I'm a little upset. I told Brian to keep the honky-tonk stuff to my vacation Sundays because it's just, uh, it's not really my vibe, but I appreciate the work they put in. Okay, I appreciate what they do. No, it's not. It's great. I really appreciate those guys doing what they do, and uh, those are difficult songs to pull together, too, so they uh, really appreciate that. And Evan's back there at the soundboard doing a great job trying to mix all of that stuff, and um, so thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us at Fieldstone this morning. It is November, if you can believe that. It definitely felt more like December or January waking up. But um, So we're in the second week of a series called Making Change. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, uh, I just want you to know this is not a give more to Fieldstone series. This is not a uh, you're stealing from God type of a series. This is, this is more of a uh, how do we look at Scripture and pull some practical wisdom out as it relates to our, our money and our possessions. Uh, and, and one of the things that we mentioned last week is the fact that this is such a big deal, and it feels like we come to church and don't have to worry about some of that stuff, but there are about 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There are about 500 verses in the Bible on faith, and there's about 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions, and so this is a really big deal. This is something we need to talk about and, and really figure out what's a, uh, what is the way that God wants us to approach and handle the resources that he blesses us with. And so that's what we got into a little bit last week and talked about the fact that less is more. And we looked at Ecclesiastes and how the verse says, hey, better is one handful with peace and tranquility than to chase two handfuls and have stress and toil and pain and all the stuff that comes along with it. And so we pulled some of the things out of that. And today, talking about the fact that stress, especially financial stress, is bad. So less is more and stress is bad. And, and you guys... I'm sure you know financial stress is real, right? I know for Kathy and I, um, we've been through different seasons in our lives where, where this kind of comes up and our conversations get more tense and our, our interactions with money and finances get more tense. And we had kind of a, uh, uh, it's something we joke about now, but we had some famous last words where uh, when we first came out of college, we got married. I was an intern at a little church up in Grand Rapids. We both had multiple part-time jobs. Some of you have been there, right? Some of you are there right now. And we just kind of had this major medical thing. It's like, please, no babies. Please, no babies. Please, no babies. Um, and we got through that. But, but in our conversations, as the bills got tight and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, I said, don't worry. If we can just get through this season, we'll never make less than what we make right now. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right, yeah. We're just going to get, get full-time jobs. We're going to be fine. So we kind of got a little better, and things got a little bit smoother, and it wasn't quite so tense. And then uh, we moved over to the east side of the state, and I accepted a job that was paying less than what I was making at our church in Grand Rapids. And so we came over here. And then on top of that, Kathy wasn't working because we had two little kids. Um, and, and so we got, things got tight again, and they got a little bit more tense, and our conversations were a little bit more short. And like, hey, why'd you buy that? Why'd you eat there? Why'd we do this? Um, and we said, hey, and I said it again. I said, here's the thing. I know we said this before, but right now, I'm not making a lot, and you're not working. In a couple years, the kids will both be in school. And we're not going to make any less than what we're making right now. <laughs> This is the worst it'll ever get. If we can just battle through this, it'll be fine. And then we decided to start a church. And it got even less and less for a little while. And so we had these moments of like, man, we're not. So I didn't say that this time. Uh, learned from, we learned from our mistakes. But, but what we learned through some of those is that financial stress is real. Even like we've, we've had a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage, but you still have those seasons where it's like, man, which bill do we pay? 
And sometimes, and as a church kid, it's even tougher because you're like, man, do I pay this bill or do we tithe this month? And so you have those tensions back and forth. Like, this is what we've committed to. And you have to think, are we going to go out with friends or are we going to come up with a good excuse because we really shouldn't go out and spend that money? And, and, and so the conversations are different and there's tension. And almost all of us have been there at some point, I would have to imagine. And some of you are at a good place right now. You have worked hard. You've been wise. You got the bills on auto pay, which probably feels really good. But even if you're there now, I would imagine you probably have been at a point where there's financial tension, right? And, and, and it's difficult. It creates stress. And I think we would all know if you do any amount of research, if you, if you pay attention to what's going on around you, most financial stress and, and the worst financial stress is the stress that comes with debt, right? And now there can be some less damaging debt. There can be some useful debt depending on who you're talking to and, and where, which path you're going to take in life. But I don't know anyone who's ever said, man, ever since our debt piled up, our marriage has never been better. <laughs> no one's ever said that, right? No one's ever said, man, my dating game is just on point ever since I racked up that credit card debt. Now, maybe it gets off to a good start because you rack up the credit card debt on your date. But it doesn't make your dating life better. Nobody's ever said, you know, I've tried the debt-free thing. It's just not my jam. I, I'm, gonna go, I'm way more into debt. It's kind of more my thing, right? Nobody ever says stuff like that. And so financial stress, especially from debt, is no good. It's bad, right? It impacts our personal growth. We have no peace, no freedom. There's tension in our marriage. We have to work constantly. You wish you could give more. You wish you could help people more. You wish you could travel more. You wish you could stay home with the kids uh, during the week. And so stress from this kind of life. Now, you are not bad, but the stress we experience from that type of a life and that type of a weight is bad. And it's hard to talk about because it can be embarrassing. It can, it's easier to pretend it's not happening. I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, man, I go to church on Sunday mornings to feel good about life. And now he's talking about the debt that I try to leave at home on Sunday mornings. It's difficult, right? You feel helpless. You can feel hopeless. You feel overwhelmed by it. But it's a big issue, even to talk about here in church. Number one, because there's so many times when God talks about it. So it has to be something that he cares about. But this is, first of all, it's a practical issue. Right? It impacts the life that we experience based on the choices that we make. It's a spiritual issue. It impacts the way that I follow and listen and trust God. And it's a family tree issue. If you're new to Fieldstone, our, our mission here is to transform family trees with the gospel. And this money thing is a huge part of that. It impacts the life and the habits and the wisdom that we're passing down to our kids. So this is a big topic, and, and what we're going to do, and I mentioned last week, I'm not a financial expert. We're not going to, uh, there's not going to be anything earth-shattering, nothing that you're going to walk out of here hearing like, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before. He's brilliant. No, that, none of that is coming out this morning. Um, but what we have are some good reminders, okay? A, a couple key truths from Scripture this morning when it comes to handling our finances, uh, and then a few things that I think we can pursue and really ask God to help us with. Um, to start taking some steps towards health. So um, let me pray to uh, kind of uh, continue kicking things off, and then we'll dive in. God, it's a difficult topic. Uh, money on its own is difficult, but certainly money that is causing stress in our lives is even more difficult. And so we pray, God, that you would simply just soften our hearts to the things that you might want to say this morning, um, open our eyes to some of the scriptures that we're going to look at, uh, and may we walk out of here uh, at least willing uh, to discuss with you and discuss with others some steps that we might be able to take to become more healthy, uh, to become more like you in this particular area. Amen. 
All right, first verse for today, and the first truth I want to uh, look at is from Proverbs 22, 7. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And because of that, debt is a life-altering entity. Debt is a life-altering entity. Why? Because we're constantly playing catch-up. We have to live under the weight of interest. Not just interest, but compound interest. Sometimes we need loans to pay for our loans. And all of a sudden, the, the people that we've gotten loans from are making money off of our money. And sometimes making money off of our money's money. And then we get in the situation where if there are injustices, if there are struggles, if there are things that we're facing, we don't have the resources to fight the system. And so we, under the weight of debt, become slaves to the lender. And you are owned by your debt. You're the one that has to think about it. They don't have to think about you. When the phone rings and when the mail comes and when the email hits, you're the one that has to worry and stress about what's coming. Sometimes we don't even realize that it's there until it's too late and it's out of control. And not only does it affect our lives, but family tree patterns start to develop as our children and our children's children start to watch how we do things and how we handle things and the stress that we're living with. And so debt, because it piles up and because it changes almost everything, it's a life-altering entity. Second thing, from Luke 16.10, Jesus says here, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And the truth that I want to take from that is the decisions that you have to make now will impact the decisions that you get to make later. Decisions you have to make now impact the decisions you get to make later. So practically speaking, if you're trustworthy with a little bit now and you handle it in a wise way and, you, and you're a good steward of the resources God blesses you with now, He'll trust you with more later. If we're wisely managing our resources, because in reality, they're his resources that he's entrusted into our care. If we wisely manage those, it's pleasing to God because it's obedient to the way he wants us to handle our resources. You can imagine being rid of the stress, right? Imagine being rid of the stress of money or any debt that you experience. All of a sudden, you're able to help someone who's in need. All of a sudden, you're able to take breaks and take vacations and maybe take a week off of work. All of a sudden, you're able to give good gifts at Christmas time without having to worry about the bills showing up a couple months later. All this is accomplished by simply living in a way that's in line with God's desire for you and your family. So there's decisions that you have to make now, right? No matter what's led up to them, no matter where you are currently, There's decisions you have to make right now as it relates to those things. But the way you handle them, if you handle them according to Scripture, if you handle them God's way, if you handle them in a wise way, how you handle them will determine the decisions that God lets you make later on. And so as I said, I'm not an advisor, I'm a pastor, right? I'm, at, I'm a very baseline understanding of some of this stuff. And we're gonna have, uh, I'm gonna talk about it uh, this week and next week, next week, we've got a financial peace class that we're gonna be offering in the wintertime. So those, that's a place where you can get more information. But today I wanna offer three prayers that I think we can pray in light of these two truths that we've looked at, things that you can pursue when dealing with financial stress, whether it's debt or just tough decisions that you have to make, some spiritual steps to bring clarity to some practical issues. Okay, so debt is a life-altering entity. The decisions we have to make now will impact the decisions we get to make later on. So based on that, three prayers I think that we can pray where God can step in and put us in a healthier situation. 
First one is this. God, give me self-control. God, give me self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. You'll notice a lot of these verses come from Proverbs. There's a reason why they call it the book of wisdom, right? We need some wisdom when it comes to this. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Now think about a city. Now our cities here in 2018 don't have walls around them, but if you've seen Gladiator or Troy or some of those old movies where they talk about ancient cities with the walls around them, imagine one of those cities without walls. All of a sudden you have a city that's open to outside influence and attack. No control over what's coming in from the outside. That's a city that can't control what's on the inside going out, can't control the resources escaping or fleeing. That's a city with no confidence. That's a city with a lack of morale amongst its citizens. That's a city with no respect from outsiders looking in. No one wants to be a part of that kind of life. That's a city that's surviving day to day. It's a city with no long-term dreams or visions of the future. That's a city that's living under constant stress. All you have to do is look at the city of Detroit. You know, it's, uh, the last five or ten years, there's been a great recovery. If you haven't been down there lately, there's some pretty awesome areas. But go back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and that's how the city of Detroit was, right? And there's no respect from the outside. People looking in going, oh, man, that place is a mess. It's not a place anybody wants to live. There's no protection from things on the inside or the outside. There's a lack of morale. There's no vision. There's no future. That's a city without walls. That's a person without self-control. So take a person that's living without self-control. It's the same thing. You have a person who's saying yes to the wrong things and no to the wrong things. And a lot of times, saying yes or no too quickly. It's a person that's not aware of the dangers around them because they're too focused on the stress that's right in front of them. It's a person with a lack of confidence, a lack of morale in their own life and within their family. It's a person that's surviving day to day with no dreams of the future, a person living under constant stress, just like a city with no walls. It's like a kid in the cereal, cereal aisle screaming for Lucky Charms, right? It's, it's like a hunter at Cabela's. It's like my wife at the Nike store. It's like me when a shiny new Silverado drives by. It's a lack of self-control. And, and self-control is a major key in our pursuit of financial health. As I've talked about, Kathy and I, we've had seasons where we had to cut back on things, cut back on sporting events that we go to, or a couple summers where we played almost no golf. We've had long stretches at times where we did no traveling, no big family vacations, uh, times where we had to cut out eating out. And we're t- I'm telling you, we're terrible about eating out. If there's one spot in our budget where I just have to highlight it in red every single month, it's eating out, right? Something about Outback, man, that prime rib, so good. <laughs> So good. So we've had seasons where we're like, we're not eating out unless there's a gift card. We've had to do that. We've had seasons where we didn't do Christmas gifts for each other. We had seasons where we went decent stretches without cable TV. Okay, there's just seasons where we had to show a little bit of self-control. We had to cut back in order to experience what we needed to experience. And it's hard, right? Because self-control isn't part of our human nature. It's not something we naturally want to do. But here's the good news. It is a part of God's, human, God's nature. 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Now, this is a famous verse. You'll see this on T-shirts and bumper stickers, and coaches will use it in the locker room at halftime. Well, at Christian schools, I guess. But they'll say, hey, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power 
right? And the quote ends there because that sounds really cool and encourages you and you strengthens you and you're ready to go. But the verse finishes up. The spirit God gives us also gives us love and a spirit of self-discipline, which can also be interpreted as moderation. God's spirit as believers, if he lives inside of us, we have his ability within us to have self-control and live with moderation. And it's basically learning to say no, right? It's, for some people, it's less golf, maybe less Starbucks, maybe using an older phone or a used car. Maybe it's drinking Mountain Holler. If you've never heard of Mountain Holler, Mountain Holler is the save-a-lot version of Mountain Dew. So when we were in, when we were in college and we were just married, uh, Mountain Dew is too expensive. And so I was like, well, at least there's Mountain in the name, so I'll drink it. It was the same color, uh, made you feel just as horrible afterwards. Um, so there is Mountain Holler. Sometimes you got to change it up a little bit and drink the stuff that looks like the stuff that you really do like. But it's different levels, different changes, depending on the different levels of debt and stress. Some people might need to go full-on Dave Ramsey cash envelopes, where if there's not cash in the envelope, you don't get to do the thing that's written on the front of the envelope. Some people might just need a budget, just a way of keeping track of where the money is going so you can see where we're spending, where we're not spending, where is their room? Either way, you can start small, you can start where you're at, and you can get the help where it's needed. God, give me self-control. The first prayer. Second prayer is this. God, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. Hosea 4, 6. God's talking about his people. They're in a, a pretty unique situation there, but he says, my people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's a lack, a lot of times, a lack of understanding about money and debt is a major part of our stress, right? So often people go into debt and they add things on top of their life simply because they just don't know. Maybe they were never taught, they didn't do the research they should have done. It's a lack of understanding that gets them into a difficult situation. So, just to whet your appetite for understanding and knowledge, here's a little simple one, right? Some basic knowledge for you. And this is going to be a review for some of you. The average credit card debt of those who have credit cards in America, the average credit card debt is $16,000 in America. Okay, that's the average. That means somebody's higher. If you, if you put that $16,000 on the credit card and you pay the minimum every month and you accrue average interest of an average credit card, it's going to take you half your life to pay it off and you're going to add thousands of dollars on top of that $16,000. But if you take that 16000 and were to invest it, and over 40 years you average 20% interest gains on that $16,000, you're going to have over a million and a half, one and a half million dollars out of that 16000 So that's just a little bit, just a little bit of perspective. And some of you have heard those stats. You've seen things like that with different uh, research that you've done or maybe in the, the field that you work in. But that type of understanding, that type of little information can make you go, oh, I understand now. I see the power of debt working in my favor or working against me, right? Proverbs 13, 16 says, all who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. And another way that can be read is, all who are prudent protect themselves with knowledge, protect themselves with knowledge. How many people over the course of their life, whether it's a financial thing or another thing, look back and say, man, if I just knew, if someone had only told me, if I only understood the ramifications of this before, that's the situation we find ourselves in. We have an opportunity at any age to 
to gain understanding and gain wisdom in this area. And I'm not an expert, but there are resources, right? I've talked about FPU. There's uh, financial advisors that we can push you towards. There's, there's blogs. There's podcasts. There's books. There's so many resources available to us to gain knowledge and gain understanding in this area of our lives so that we don't go through and say, man, I wish I knew. Man, if I had only heard. A lack of knowledge is huge, but we can help with understanding realities and options and making wise choices. So God, help me have some self-control, and God, help me gain some understanding when it comes to this. Third thing, God, give me a plan. God, give me a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. And that, and that word haste, pretty interesting translation. I looked that one up. The Hebrew word for haste that's used there actually means I got my first paycheck and bought a four-wheeler. <laughs> I was so blown away by that interpretation. <laughs> that's ridiculous. It doesn't mean that. But here's the reality. You can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out. You can stumble into debt, but you cannot stumble out. Honor God with a plan for what he's entrusted you with, right? It's tough because it doesn't always match personality. If, you, if you're into personality stuff, Myers-Briggs, you got the P and the J. A J likes systems. They like to plan. They like to organize and look ahead. I'm not a J. I'm a P. Us P's, we like to get there and figure it out, right? Like, we'll, we'll take care of it when we get there. We got, we got good people. You know, we'll take care of things. No big deal. We'll figure it out when we get there. It doesn't always match your personality to have a plan and think ahead. And so it's difficult. It doesn't always match your family history, right? Maybe you've grown up seeing bad habits. Maybe you've grown up seeing things handled one way. And so to think about doing it another way kind of messes with you a little bit. Okay, having a plan doesn't always match your age or your life experience. That's sometimes something that comes with age. Sometimes you just don't want to feel like someone's telling you how to live. A plan feels like that sometimes. But, as we said last week, better is one handful with tranquility than chasing two handfuls with toil. Less is more. and Financial stress is bad. And self-control, with a little bit of understanding, with a good plan, can change everything. Not just for you, but for your kids and your grandkids as they see you revolutionizing the way that you approach the resources that God has blessed you with. So as you pray and pursue these things, and the band's going to come and we're going to do one more song before we close it out, I want to encourage you to start a conversation with someone. Start a conversation with someone. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Start a conversation with your spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a friend, maybe a friend of a friend who's knowledgeable about this type of thing. Seek out stories of success and encouragement where you can learn from what other people have done. Maybe, maybe even seek out stories of hurt and struggle so you can learn from people who had to learn the hard way so that maybe you don't have to. And keep in mind, you're not alone. And alone is not the way to get things done. Start a conversation with someone. And basically, take one step in a healthy direction. You're not going to get all the, all the things figured out in one day or one conversation, but if you can take one step in a healthy direction by pursuing a class or a book or a blog or a podcast, 
Dave Ramsey or something similar. Dave isn't Jesus, okay? And so Dave's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge, and that's a great place to go. But if you're not into Dave, look at something else. There's a lot of good stuff out there, but take that step. Get some time with a financial advisor, right? When, when something's wrong in any other part of life, what do we do? We talk to an expert. We go to a doctor. We go to a lawyer. We talk to a realtor. We talk to a coach. Why not this too? As I said, there's an FPU class coming this winter. If you have any interest in that, you can shoot us an email, info at fieldstonechurch.org. Write it on the connection card that you got in your bulletin coming in. There's a black box at the, uh, the table at the back at the info center. Um, and we'll just make sure that you're on the front lines of communication with that as we establish the day of it, uh, start date, um, uh, all that information. We'll let you know that it's coming. And I would encourage you. Encourage your kids to take it. Pay for your kids to take it. Maybe take it together and initiate some of those conversations as a family. Um, Because God's faithfulness in response to our faith and our obedience, it's the same here with our finances as in every other part of our lives, right? We, We pursue obedience in our relationships. We pursue it in our purity, in our integrity at work, in our time and our priorities and how we balance our lives. And God blesses and works powerfully when we pursue him. And it's the same with our finances. And so we have an opportunity to experience a different kind of life, a life without all of the stress because we're simply willing to take some healthy, wise, biblical steps in this area of our life. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you uh, again for what you offer us in this area. So many scriptures to keep us challenged and keep us encouraged. And God, I pray that we would take these truths and apply them practically to our lives. God, whatever step any of us needs to take, I pray that we would be open to it, that we would be sensitive to it, and we'd have the courage to take those steps. If not for us, Father, then for the sake of our family tree moving forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.